down to the left side. We will survive in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Journalist, specialist, predatory survivalist. Spinning heaven, fire from his lips. Burn safe driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You could go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Also, you can go to a bb2me.com. That's a B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Dot com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there, or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And then a TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com. That's Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In the Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs. On time for an awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that time for an awakening marketplace and our partnership with the BB to me. Always interesting things in the place in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. It's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 708 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, fall Sunday evening, the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Tonight we're scheduled to have a special guest join us, founder, activist, author, and, and founder and publisher of Liberty Writers Africa, Brother Chuka. Andrew CQ will be joining us. The attack on critical race theory 
the reverse racism attempts by parts of white America to subdue black anti-racism and block recounts of America's racist history from slavery to date is the title of the book. And he's scheduled to join us this evening in conversation. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a 
compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street, Brother Richard. Is with us, Brother Richard. That's sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? I'm um, doing. Uh, uh, you you recognize that the chill is coming, right? <laughs> Brother man, getting ready to get suited up. That's, that's one thing. Yeah, but, you know it's good for right now, though. I like I like this here. You know this temperature. The, the, the transition. You like no, <laughs> I'm the weather man when it comes to the weather because I'm scared of. It. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Richard, we was, uh, I guess, was supposed to join us this evening. I know he uh, was flying in from out of the country. Uh, he was supposed to be back, so because uh, he did email me today and said that he would join us. So I don't, uh, he's not here as of yet. So uh, you know what we do, we just keep moving, keep on moving forward. Um, uh, some interesting things happened today, and I had an interesting conversation too with a uh, a person that's going to be joining us with a program, hopefully in about another month. Um, she's in, uh, Belize, Richard. And, uh, she was sharing with me some of the things that's going on down there now, especially centering around, uh, um, uh, this vaccine, some of the restrictions that's happening in Belize. Uh, I just had a really interesting conversation with her. Um, she should be joining us sometime, uh, within the next uh, week or two. Cause I want to kind of billboard her program. It'll be coming up. Um, because she teaches Pan-African studies down there in Belize. Oh, that's interesting. And she's been living down there for quite a while now. Um, I see some of the calls lining up. So if, if I call it, if our guest doesn't join us shortly, then we're going to transition into open forum and uh, get some of our guests involved in conversation, which is always good. In fact, um, Richard, if you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you had uh, done this weekend, I can try to reach out. Uh, and uh, see if our guests will be joining us. Well, one thing, you know, I've been um, pushing um, that this here month is, um, have been designated the International Underground Railroad um, Month. Um, And, you know, the, and you know that I've also um, been making um, a point to say that the, as it relates to a system that, um, American Africans or African Americans, um, African people, um, it was a system we created, um, so, you know, out of our own ingenuity for our own, um, out of our own interests in order to rescue, um, freedom seekers. And, uh, you know, I've always, I've been saying also that it's one of those systems, social networks 
that was so um so effective in this society um in relationship to the planner class and those who um supported the um the planner class of the south the plantation the plantation um system to where they you know came up with not just one law against those um men and women um who were able to liberate African people from such this such hard system, which they, you know, because it was so effective, they called the Underground Railroad. And, um, and, you know, and again, demonstrating the effectiveness that they didn't create one law, but they created two laws over the span of time. And that was the 1793 Fugitive Slave Act and then the 1850 Fugitive Slave Act, right? Um, and because of the effectiveness of moving Africans in a in a such a clandestine uh, manner, manner, and 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 just and and that wasn't the the ending of their um, of their trying to curtail this effective social network work that we created. That they even um, came up with a a, a, a scheme, um, you know, which is always think some things have a double-edged sword when they came up with the American Colonization Society. Um, and I'm saying all that to say that, um, and that Colonization Society purpose was to, um, pr- you know, supposedly given uh, free Africans those who were um, in different states. Um, and even some enslaved, the opportunity to be able to get out of this country because of the effectiveness that they were in being able to liberate um, um, Africans that were under um, chattel chattel enslavement. Um, Well, I want to um, proudly acknowledge, and it wasn't necessarily by my effort, but here in Philadelphia, um, one of the members of, of, Eden Cemetery was able to reach out to a council person, um, Janie, um, and, um, you know, Gun- uh, Janie Gunthier, the um, council person, and be able to get a um, proclamation um, from her from her effort was able to get a pro- proclamation presented to the council, which will be which was read Thursday and will be taken public um, public statements. And so I, I would encourage people to um, from Philadelphia to um, you know and, and in the surrounding Pennsylvania area um, to reach out to um, the council because they're taking calls to be able to acknowledge that we acknowledge the importance of of this of of this proclamation resolution I should say that they're putting in forward and if I may um, I don't know if you're still um, reaching out Elliot but if I'm um if it's okay I'd like to read at least one of the whereases or two um <clears throat> whereas a long long known as a destination for freedom seekers Philadelphia has 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 a, a story history connected to the underground railroad the city was home to many abolitionists and, and anti-slavery activists, um, including Octavius Cotto, Henrietta Dorte, James Fortin, Francis Ellen Walken Harper, Robert Purvis, um, Henry and Steve, Henrietta and Stephen Smith, Latricia 
and William Still and William Whipper. Um, and these are names that we have mentioned over time on, in, in different, at different times um, on Time for Awakening. Philadelphia has also I was also home to many anti-slavery ab- abolitionist organizations with connections to the Underground Railroad, including the Society for the Relief of Free Negroes Unlawfully Held in Bondage, the first anti-slavery society in the nation, uh, which was um, which was founded in 1775. And whereas Mr. Williams still deserves particular recognition for his effort on the Underground Railroad and the larger abolitionist movement, he served as a chairman of the Vigilance Committee of the Pennsylvania Anti-Slavery Society and was often referred to as the father of the Underground Railroad, which I would take a little difference to that because this system was developed over time even before um, Mr. Still um, was born. Directly aiding over 800 fugitive slaves and maintaining records of the people served in order to help families reunite, which is an important thing, even under chattel slavery, enslavement. Africans always wanted to keep the system of family um, connected and over which was um, destabilized in a brutal manner in the um, plantation system. This year marks the 200th anniversary of Mr. Still's birth, and and those are the two sections to give the time for awakening audience and those from Philadelphia who are aware the opportunity to be able to um um cook, you know um put themselves on the register to express um how important um this resolution is not because it's a resolution going to city council but to understand how important those men and women and the history that they resent represent the memory that they represent the organ social organizational system that they created how important that is for us now um as it was for them then um that's one of the things that i just like to um you know bring out and hopefully um you can um i can get later on if it's if it's possible um give the number to be able to play, get placed on so that you can give your um, public comment. And why it's important for public comment is because we need to show the political machinery that really doesn't seem to me to do enough to represent our history to this in within the political machinery, within our educational system. Those representatives to let them know that the public feel that our history and the systems that we've created um, not only are something that's done in the past, but recognize that there's something that can be um, done again and that people are engaged even to this moment of creating systems that will liberate African people. Um, Go ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. No, no, I just, I was, that was just my closing thought on that. Well, listen, uh, Richard, the work that you do over there, you and uh, the other brother slips my mind, the one that was on the program a, a, a while ago that uh, kind of mentored you, uh, Richard. What's his name? The, the, uh, Joe Beckton. Yeah, the, uh, the work that you and, and uh, Brother Beckton and them do over there at the museum. I mean, listen, this is important. For some people, 
for some of our people in a small segment, I would say, don't feel as though those things are important. But keeping the memory of our ancestors alive and the struggle of our ancestors to have freedom for our people, and that's a key to me, is our people wanted to be free, free of this oppression, free of this man and these Europeans. They wanted to be free. They didn't want to be assimilated. They wanted to be free. Mm-hmm. And then some of them gave their lives or livelihoods up for that. So, you know, to keep their memory alive, uh, even the, the their resting place here in this country uh, is important. And the work that you do and that is involved in is very important. So, you know, whatever, uh, you know, you can get some of those folks to get up off the dime and do in reference to their ancestors also, even some, even though some of them don't act like they are, that their ancestors and, and keeping their memory alive is important. It's, it's definitely, and that's, and that's one reason why, and I, and I hope our guest is able to um, come up with the book that he, the attack on critical race theory is um, a part of showing how um, it ain't over. Right? You know, when we talk about memory and, and erasure, um, we're, we're engaged in the 21st century, century where erasure you know, of our memory is um, once again being um, right in front of our face with new technology being um, attacked. And that's why it's important for us to be able to use whatever tool, um, even in a, as small as it may be, to try to um, change um, not it, but give those freedom seekers, whatever they are, whoever they are, and those who are supporting freedom seekers, the ability to be able to expand this network to continue that um, quest for freedom. Richard, um, like I said before, we're going to translate and we're going to transfer it straight into open form. Uh, Callers can get involved in the conversation. Anything they want to bring up as topics, they can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. I see some callers on the line already. And uh, uh, I'll go to them. First, I want to throw a few things out there, Richard. Um, We mentioned last week on the program when uh, footage was released of uh, brothers and sisters from Haiti down there being whipped and and, uh, herded like cattle on horses and things like that, Uh, those borders uh, by Border Patrol agents. And when it it came to the media that – Black elected officials hadn't said anything about it. You remember the conversation, uh, Richard, when we talked about that? Yes, yes. Um, so we see that during the week, uh, one of those congressmen or senators from New York, a, a European uh, Jewish fella, what's the, do you know his name? No. Schumer, one of them. Schumer, uh, is it the... No, I can't think of it right now. Because I'm no political uh, uh, analyst like that. But uh, one of them made statements in reference to uh, what was going on down there was wrong. After the statement was made by one or two Caucasians, then you heard uh, members of the Black Caucus saying something. They didn't say anything on their own. They never say anything proactive unless they get marching orders from whatever party they're in, whether it's Democrat or Republican. 
Now, we right. mentioned that last week, and I just I hope the listening audience has been paying attention to this and other things. I'm going to mention a few other things uh, before we translate into open form. But they didn't say anything until some of the white uh, uh, lawmakers made some statements, and they, they chimed in saying how wrong this was. Well, you know, you know, we know why that is, right? And, and, and some of our uh, more astute people in the listening audience probably knows who, like Brother Otis and them, they probably know who that. There was a, a white, either senator or congressman out of New York that made the statement first, and then that gave them permission to make a statement. Hmm. But um, a couple things went on uh, this week. You see with that, um, and, you know, we, we kind of uh, expressed those things when it was happening. Um, after the murders of Mont Albury and, and uh, George Floyd and uh, the sister in Kentucky, and the blacks have always been, there's been a constant rage among black people here in this country. But all of a sudden, uh, when the lockdown was going on, or it was right at the end of the lockdown, white folks was in the street, hollering George Floyd with their fists in the air, screaming, turning over cars, setting fires, things like that. And I made mention that uh, they was just trying to work off some steam after being locked down. You remember those conversations we had, Richard? Well, we see here that the, that George Floyd bill, because it was a lot of things proposed when Biden was running to get black people to support him. Uh, Reparations was bantered around by white politicians and the George Floyd bill to try to, uh, changed the way that policing in this country was talked about. Even though it was a leaked uh, audio, and I played it on the program for the listening audience, where Biden where Biden, uh, uh, basically put all of the black caucus on the carpet and some uh, political mouthpieces like Sharpton was there. You remember when he laid them out and told them oh, yeah. about bringing this up? Don't be talking about this. I got other things I'm doing. You remember right. that conversation? Oh, yeah. Well, we see here that the bill uh, stalled Mm -hmm. and basically the talks have collapsed. Did you see that, uh, Richard? I I didn't see that, but... I think it hit the news uh, either late last night or today, early today. But keep in mind, Richard, that two months ago, uh, Tim Scott, Booker, Cory Booker, and uh, Bass, Karen Bass, said that they reached agreement framework for the, the, the new policing bill. You remember? Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, um, I still had it around here in some of these papers on this darn desk. Let me read. And this is from June. Uh, lawmakers announced Thursday that they reached a deal on the outlines of a federal police reform measure hours before the Senate was scheduled to depart Washington for a two-week recess. Corey Booker, Tim Scott, and Karen Bass um, said they reached in the agreements on outlines of the framework of a new police reform bill. Uh, Biden had set a deadline of May 25th, the anniversary of George Floyd's death, for the negotiations to come to an agreement, but it was missed. But in a brief statement Thursday, the White House, uh, Jen uh, Paskey, said the president was grateful to uh, Bush, to uh, to Bass, Booker, and Scott for all their hard work. So it, it was a tentative agreement reached in June, supposedly. 
and mm-hmm. they let blacks come up the front like they had some say in what was going on. Anybody that follows politics or has any type of consciousness about them know that they can't tell these white folks anything. They do what they're told. So how do you have an agreement in June, Richard, and then no agreement today? I mean, maybe you can explain that to me. And I'm just being facetious because there was there was no agreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no uh, 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 bipartisan agreement on any police changes in this country. There's never been and they won't be. Now, the thing is this. They told the people that they had an agreement. It reached all the black media. It had all of them standing up there side by side. Tim Scott, Booker, and Karen Bass. You remember some of those photos, Richard? Oh, yeah. Now, it would behoove black people to call them on the carpet. Blow their phones up. All of them. All as black caucus members, including this guy here in Philadelphia that do, don't do nothing but come on terrestrial radio every Saturday and talk a bunch of bullshit. Excuse the expression for if I've offended some folks. Blow their phones up. Ask them what happened in reference to the bill. Although, I don't, listen, politically, I don't, it's not like I'm locked in or what's going on politically in this country. We can use it as a tool in the toolbox, but that ain't going to be our salvation. But make those people answer the questions to what they're supposed to be doing. Because it's a failure on them. They're, they are a dismal failure. Most of them, the overwhelming majority of them, is nothing but what you used to call them, Richard, political entrepreneurs. It's a job for them. It's a well-paying job. And it's good financial security. Whether they do anything for you or your people, uh, you, you know, if it's politically advantageous, they'll do it or act like they're doing it. I wonder, was it that qualified immunity that um, was the killer? Because that was the thing that they they didn't want to uh, uh, from the beginning. Well, now here, now here we go. Here, now let me let me read just a little bit of this published report I pulled down, because we could see the 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 the, uh, the, the games being played, and the only one to, to loser in the game is uh, bl- the black public, whether it's young blacks, older black men, women. It don't matter. Let, let me read some of this here. This is three hours ago. Uh, Democrats' final offer on police reform talks collapse. The blame has begun in Washington following the demise of the police reform legislation, uh, which had been a subject of bipartisan negotiations for more than a year on Capitol Hill. Democratic lawmaker Cory Booker of New Jersey and Representative Karen Bass decided Wednesday to call off negotiations uh, with a group of Republicans led by Tim Scott. And yeah, well, I'm just reading the published report, believe me. It went out, you know, and I say that with tongue planted in the the corner of my cheek saying led by Scott. President Biden planned uh, or blamed the deal's collapse on Republicans, uh, saying that the GOP had rejected uh, reforms. A similar request, uh, a source familiar, excuse me, with negotiations in Booker's office affirmed that interpretation telling CBS that Democrats could not get Republicans to agree to codify the executive orders uh, from former President Donald Trump last summer. 
that in, to uh, enact uh, the reforms on police departments. Uh, let me just read because uh, from what they said that 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 was part of it that uh, that immunity, right? Um, mm-hmm. But let me read a couple more things here because they uh, it says uh, uh, news obtained a document from Booker's office outlining Democrats' final offer on police reforms before the talks collapsed. Uh, along with the minimum requirements they had for a a potential bill. Uh, It is accreditation. Minimum requirement, adopt adopt the policing, uh, the policy in the Trump executive order directing the attorney general to work with law enforcement officials and other stakeholders to develop national accreditation standards. Departments must gain accreditation to remain eligible for COPS grants. Uh, minimum requirements, a ban on, a ban on no knock warrants, all drug cases, major, uh, county uh, sheriff's associations, uh, policy proposals to make any evidence seized in violation of the policy, uh, inadmissible in court. So basically a chokehold ban. That was one of the other things that was just second one here. Uh, militarization, uh, the limitations, on the transfer of military equipment to states and local agencies uh, will apply to all federal agencies to use grant funds, except asset forfeiture funds and law enforcement agencies must get approval from states or local unit governments to obtain control equipment or military equipment. Uh, outstanding issues. There must be a limitation on transfer of track vehicles which may be obtained for emergency uses through waiver processes. There also must be an increased oversight on programs uh, I'll, I'll stop there uh, dealing with that particular one. This other one here, next one uh, agreement, create a public uh, searchable database that provides information on officers terminations decertifications, criminal convictions, or other names. Additional requirements, the database must include officer complaint level data and reports uh, must be mandatory. Hmm. Uh, Minimal requirements, expand the FBI use of force data to include all types of force uh, and data for investigatory activities, uh, traffic, Pedestrian stops, searches, including frisk, stop and frisk, and consent searches, and reporting must be mandatory to obtain uh, COPS grants. Uh, minimum requirement must include grants for alternative uh, community response services. Uh, uh, chokehold agreements, chokehold or vascular neck restraints, including cardio uh, Cardiac holds will be prohibited unless deadly force is justified. State and local agencies will be prohibited from training officers on the use of chokeholds, except for the purpose of identifying and interfering to stop the use of a chokehold. Uh, no ban on training at the federal level. Officers will have a duty to intervene when observing other officers using a chokehold. 
State and local departments will not be eligible for COPS grants unless they have a similar policy in place. So we see here that this bill fell apart or this thing failed because these things weren't agreed upon. Mm -hmm. They seem to have some agreement in June, but all of a sudden they're not agreed upon. Now, as I recall politically, and our listening audience is a lot smarter than me, uh, Richard, they have the... um, the so so-called political advantage in the Congress, right? Democrats. Right. And I think in the Senate, it's almost 50, 50, um, with Kamala Harris making the difference if I'm correct. Right. And, uh, this quote unquote agreement in principle fell apart. So that means some of their own democratic brethren didn't go along with it. If you mm-hmm. just follow the numbers, Hmm. Like I said, I'm no student of politics. It didn't even get to the vote, right? I mean, say that again. It didn't even get to the vote. No, it didn't. It just fell apart. Mm -hmm. The the so-called agreement that that was had that the three students, well, I don't want to call no names, that these three lawmakers said that they had in June all of a sudden fell apart. Where's the explanation to the black public? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm saying this because of this. Earlier this week, um, that agreement that was made by Obama to give billions of dollars every year to Israel and, uh, you know, Trump kind of doubled down on it or or just kept it going. Um, And so did Biden. Uh, Money was due uh, in reference to it for the Iron Dome and other things. Mm -hmm. Well, um, this week, they wanted an extra $1 billion for Iron Dome. <laughs> and they had a special session to get it done. Uh, I think it was, they, the uh, the tally was, I think it was nine lawmakers that didn't go along with it. I think it was, it, that now that flew in with bipartisan support. Over 400 lawmakers on both parties uh, passed it. Nine didn't. Now, the Jewish community called those nine on the carpet Mm. and asked them for an explanation. Now, that tells me one thing, and we've talked about it before, when some of them were running, that all of them had gotten money either directly from Jewish organizations or indirectly from organizations that supported or get money from Jewish organizations. So they were called on the carpet, all of them, even the ones. Now, the bill passed, Richard. The bill mm-hmm. passed. They're going to get this extra billion dollars. But the ones that voted against it were still called on the carpet to explain why they didn't want to give Israel the money that they demanded. When they were already getting money out of the budget from the agreement that Obama had signed. Mm-hmm. Now, let me read. To, and see, this goes to what I'm saying. They can call these people on the carpet. And some of these people that I'm going to mention is caucus members. But when we going to call these clowns on the carpet for what they supposed to be doing or supposed to be accomplishing for black people that voted for them, they can come to these radio stations and all over the, every city and berate black people talking about, Oh, vote like your life depends on it. But your ancestors died for that. Right. But then when they fail, to get anything done for the people, they don't give you no explanation. You don't hear Pete. 
And some black people don't demand an explanation. That's but, the most but, important part. But, but we see here that this Jewish group demanded an explanation even though the bill passed. Which is, you know, for example, if I want you to do, do if if I want something done and 25 people said yeah and five said no, then I don't care. It's passed. But they still went back and demanded an explanation from the people that didn't vote for it, which lets me know clearly that mm-hmm. they got money from those people and they wanted an explanation. But go ahead. Before I read some of their comments, go ahead, Richard. I'll emphasize that the press wanted us to know this is how they do. Right. Because they want us to know that your legislators, because it's by democratic demographic votes, right? Your legislators, who are they in cahoots with? <laughs> and you're bringing up in relationship to the money, so that you'll know. Don't you? Don't don't you? Don't you even think that you're supposed to have the kind of influence and power that they have, where they can chastise them in public, and you can't do, and you ain't doing nothing about it. Look at you. <laughs> Wow. I hate to sound like that, but it, it, it gets back to us in a way. I don't know if you, you would agree with that, Elliot. Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. In fact, I'm going to read some of the comments here for the listening audience before we transition and uh, get some of these calls involved in open forum. Because these people brought to, and I'm not going to read some of the comments from because there's a few whites here that voted against it too. Whatever they do, that's what they do. I'm going to read some of the comments from the black ones. Because they're supposed to represent you. Uh, now, this is out of the Jewish Telegraph that I'm reading this out of. It says, U.S. lawmakers who opposed or abstained on Iron Dome funding explained their vote. Now, some of them play that game where they abstained or just gave a present vote. Instead of giving a vote, just say present, mm-hmm. which means it's basically a yes vote. But you're not, it's no commitment there. So, it's you know, some of them played a little game. Uh, I'll read one of them that played in that game. And then I'll read some of the ones that said no. Now, let me, it says, um, the Iron Dome Supplemental Appropriations Act passed overwhelmingly in the House on Thursday with the 420 members voting in favor. There was a very small minority of 11 lawmakers who opposed uh, the bill. Eight Democrats, one Republican, uh, voted against H.R. 5523, while two more Democrats voted present, effectively abstaining. So 11 people voted, Richard, uh, basically no, and 420 voted to give it to them. Now, let me read a few of these. Uh, Most of the 11 have subsequently explained their vote publicly and responded to requests on the matter with prepared statements. Uh, Many of the opposing members cited they saw as rushed and ignored procedures, while a similar number pointed out that they described what they described as Israeli human rights violations. Others expressed discomfort with the high cost of funding $1 billion as many Americans struggle to recover financially from ongoing coronavirus pandemic. 
Rashida Tlaib, Michigan's 13th district. Tlaib was the, the only opponent to the Iron Dome funding bill who participated in the floor debate that preceded Thursday's vote. Her comments, I will not support an effort to enable war crimes and human rights abuses and violence. We cannot be uh, talking only about Israelis' need for safety at a time when Palestinians are living under violent apartheid system and are dying from human rights, uh, what the Human Rights Watch says are war crimes. The bill claims to be a, quote, a replenishment for weapons apartheid Israel used in a crisis it manufactured when it attacked worshipers at one of the holiest uh, Islamic locations, Al-As Mosque, committing, again, numerous war crimes uh, to leave it claimed, making no mention of a mosque rocket fire or what Israel police said was a violent protest at the Temple Mount uh, that led them to enter the mosque compound ahead of the May Gaza war. Uh, so, okay, they asked for an explanation from Rashida Tlaib. She put it in writing and gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another one here. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Let me finish her remarks. Uh, oh, it says, after her remarks, Republican Congressman Chuck Fleischman and Democrat Ted Deutsch rose one after the other, to accuse Tlaib of anti-Semitism. <laughs> what? Uh, that, to, if that word ever, ever, if that phrase ever became a curse <laughs> or a poison, a poison pill, a lot of them, a lot of legislators would be dead all over the place. Every time you say something, it's anti-Semitism. Yeah, well, it says uh, their comments uh, to advocate for dismantling of the Jewish state in a world where there's no place on the map for a Jewish state that is anti-Semitism, and I reject that, says Deutsch, Deutsch in his fiery counter-address. Uh, on Friday, Tlaib issued another response, tweeting, all the bipartisan attacks launched on me for speaking a factual truth about an apartheid system uh, in Israel will not intimidate or silence this girl from southwest Detroit. So that was her comments. Uh, another comment they, uh, from a, a, a person that voted against it, Re- Representative Ilan Omar, in a Twitter thread published shortly after voting against the bill, Omar wrote, given the human rights violations in Gaza and in Jerusalem and the ever-growing sentiment, a settlement expansion, we should not be ramming through a last-minute $1 billion increase in military funding for Israel without any accountability. This vote is not about simply funding Iron Dome, but it's about adding an extra $1 billion on top of the $73 million we've already allocated this year. That's 14 times more than we normally spend on it, and 60% of what we provided uh, for over the House course of this decade. Uh, that was her response, Bridget, and why she voted against it. This Israeli media demanded explanations. Two of them gave it. Let me go down to 
this one, Representative Alana Presley. Presley's office issued the following statement to the Times of Israel upon request. Regrettably, my request to expedite key bills to the floor to address the growing crisis in my community uh, and keep people safe uh, has been denied. Each time, precedent and resource constraints have been cited as the rationale. And yet and still, House leadership has no problem advancing a standalone bill to provide $1 billion of additional military spending without advance notice, without ample time for debate. And on every uh, same week, the House has already had another defense bill headed to the floor and a regular order process in place to debate and advance defense-related priorities through the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, so we see here her explanation, Richard, is that, uh, and I'll read it again, uh, regrettably, my address, my requests to expedite key bills to the floor to address the growing crisis in my community and keep people safe, safely, uh, has been denied. Each time, precedent and resource constraints has been cited as the rationale. So she said when she introduces bills to help her constituents, uh, they get pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. But y'all can come up with this here billion dollars. No sweat. No sweat. Yeah. So, but see, what I'm what I'm trying to say, listen, I know what they're going to do. Our listening audience know what they're going to do. They're calling some of these people on the carpet because they have given them money. We expressed before how the Jewish folks had given Yana Pressler money when she was running. So they demand an explanation when they don't get what they want. Mm. Now, let's see what happens when she decides to run again. Or let's see what happens throughout the course of or the rest of her congressional term. But here, she said no and gave an explanation why. They called these people on the carpet and demanded an explanation. Mm-hmm. Where's the black public going to call these fools, these just CBC members on the carpet, about this George Floyd bill and other bills, mm-hmm. reparations, anything else. When are you going to call them on the carpet? They want to protect their master, Joe Biden, and some black people do and still do. I don't give a damn about Biden or Trump or whoever. When are they going to call these people and hold them accountable? You're supposed to represent black people. Let me read a couple more of these, Richard, before we uh, take a little break and then go to the phones. Uh, another person that voted against it, Representative Cory Bush. Missouri Bush issued a single tweet explaining her decision. Uh, Palestinians deserve freedom from militarized violence. We shouldn't be sending an additional $1 billion to an apartheid state military, especially not when we are failing to adequately invest in healthcare, housing and education in other social services in my community. She added. So that was her single tweet in reference mm-hmm. to why she didn't vote against it. Mm-hmm. I mean, why she voted against it. I'm sorry. Now, I'm going to skip a couple of these. I have to say, for, if, it's, if it's theatrics at this point, you know, there's a couple of pieces that came across that I, you know, Corey Bush, Bush being young, I mean, being young, being new, um, she did have a little, uh, she had a voice, she had a message that I like, but it's to be seen how how, how she'll grow. As as she spent more time 
uh, in in Capitol Hill. Now, they got some other, uh, like I said, I'm not going to read some of the white lawmakers and explanations explanations, because it really doesn't matter. I'm just focusing in on some of these black representatives. Uh, Andre Carson of Indiana. Uh, Carson did not respond to repeated requests for comment on the matter. So he didn't say anything. Chomp. Chomp. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she gave a, she was visibly shaken at her final vote and was emotional and gave an explanation in reference to it. Uh, she said on Friday afternoon, she uh, often sent a lengthy letter to constituents explaining her decision. Like the other lawmakers, I opposed the bill. Uh, Cortez noted that $1 billion being asked for from Congress was in addition to the tens of millions of dollars that Israel already received this year. I believe strongly that Congress should take greater scrutiny with all military funding across the world. I also believe that Far too long, the U.S. has handed unconditional aid to Israel government while doing nothing to address or raise the persistent human rights abuses against Palestinian people, and that imbalance of power must be centered in an honest conversation about Israel and Palestine, she said. So she basically kind of went along with the other ones but didn't use a stronger language as the other ones did. But but now let me make sure I heard that right. She she made a statement to her constituents, right? Is that what? Or maybe I missed. Well, she made a statement too. It says, uh, "Let me hold up. Let me because I didn't." It says, "Acasio uh, uh, Cortez, who had been instrumental in having funding scrapped from separate government funding legislation earlier this week, initially voted against the standalone bill before deciding to abstain." at the last minute. So she abstained. She didn't, those other ones voted. You remember they said two of them just abstained. Mm-hmm. She was the one of the ones that abstained and she gave the explanations for why she didn't abstain. She didn't vote. No, like the other ones did. She just abstained. Yeah. I thought it was saying that it, she sent a message to her constituents. But yeah, it says Friday afternoon, her office sent a lengthy letter to constituents explaining her decision. So I guess this Jewish media just picked up on, on the message that was sent. And and, and I, I just wanted to emphasize that because that's what, if I'm not mistaken, that's the point that you're making that these other black lawmakers don't do. Like they ain't saying to us, matter of fact, um, uh, I shouldn't do this. Um, I don't think, especially when you get to the males and Negro dumb that's up there, they ain't say nothing one way or another. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what, yeah. No <laughs> right? explanation. And see, that's what I'm saying. Our people need to demand explanation out of these people. They they want your vote. They always come to you with all that old bull crap song and dance. But then when they do these things, they don't give you no explanation. These Jewish, that vote was taken Thursday, Richard. And by Saturday, they demanded an explanation out of these people because they had been given them money. Yeah. They had been given them money. And, and she sent it out to, they got it. Because she sent it out now, because that might be her constituents being from New York, but she she sent the letter out to her constituents. Like, this is why I did it, even if it was just abstain. And what, what we're asking is that those Black uh, representatives should be sending out something, even if they didn't vote. 
what their view is about the vote. Why, exactly. why, why are you giving up a billion dollars? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, one other one, uh, Hank Johnson from Georgia. Uh, he He's another one that abstained. Uh, I'll read his explanation. He says, Johnson was the only other lawmaker to vote present. Uh, he didn't really vote yes or no. He did present. So that's, that. you know, that's a no vote. I'm here, y'all. <laughs> yeah. It says, Hank Johnson was the only other lawmaker to vote present and explained his reasoning in the following statement issued to the Times of Israel. So, again, now we see uh, Cortez issued one to his constituents. Bush and them tweeted some things out. Um, Rashida Tlaib addressed them publicly in on the floor. And he just, he uh, sent it to the Times of Israel. He says, I supported the $3.8 billion military assistance to Israel as I agreed to by President Obama. An additional $1 billion on top of what the U.S. taxpayers have already paid for Israel's Iron Dome defense constituents uh, is about 60% of what the United States have provided for specific defense allocations over the past decade. Uh, I'm not going to read his lengthy explanation, but he feels though it's too much money. Mm-hmm. Look, look, y'all, I, I did, I did sign for that $3 billion you got. What more do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's it? <laughs> like, what y'all want? Look, didn't I do that? You know, Obama put it up. I, I signed for I it. I signed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, uh, listen, uh, <laughs> it's out there. So, uh, demand an explanation from the officials that demand your votes when it comes time for them to vote uh, be elected to office. They demand your votes. Demand why, number one, what happened with this George Floyd bill? And number two, why did they vote? Because I only read three, well, four, I'm sorry. Rashida Tlaib, Corey Bush, uh, Ilan Omar, Hank Johnson, and somebody else. It was another yeah. one that didn't give an explanation when they asked him. I said nothing. <laughs> yeah, who was that? Andre Carson. I read six black caucus members uh, four of them voted no and gave an explanation to why they did because their the constituents they ain't, they, you don't show no interest in their constituents so I'm not voting for that but you got a bunch of how many of in the black caucus Richard 54 or something like that yeah. 50 something I, did, I know it is like I said I'm no student of politics some of our listening audience knows exactly how many it is so you got over 50, put it that way, that voted for it to not only give them all this money that the lawmaker said that they got in this year, but give them an, an additional one billion. And your communities look like somebody that threw a bomb in it. I remember when Trump made that statement to uh, the, uh, the lawmaker that was in Maryland, when he said your community looked like somebody threw a bomb, whatever he said, and black people jumped, uh, jumped to his defense. When they should have been putting his ass on the carpet for the community looking like somebody threw a bomb in there. You're giving these people all this money and your community is looking like it is. 
Richard, they said the other day, now you know that, the, and I'm going to go to a break and then get some callers involved. I don't know whether you heard it. The other day, now, these schools got uh, COVID restrictions, you know, children wearing masks and all in schools. And, you know, in, in schools where our children go, most of these children in these Philadelphia public schools is black, the overwhelming majority. The other day, Richard, they said that the uh, the contract contractor that provides the meals, the breakfast and lunch for the students, didn't show up. So the students didn't eat. They wasn't eating. And they sent a mail, they sent a letter home and some of the parents got the letter after the fact. And they were highly upset. Now, how are you going to have students in school all day, Richard, and they don't eat? That only happens in our community. Where was the damn lawmakers here in this city when that happened? I didn't hear him saying a damn word. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Not even the clown that's head of the school board. He's black. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You got students in there all day and don't eat. Come on, I'm gonna take a brief break. When we come back, it's open forum. The callers can get involved in the conversation. Two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Looks like uh, I guess it didn't show up. We'll try to reschedule them uh, for another time. But the program moves on. We're gonna take a brief break. When we come back, you can get involved in the conversation by dialing two one five four nine zero. 9832, time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free 
of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit you black family. To join your interconnected commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com. Abibitumi.tv. Abibitumi.tv.com. Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. Darkness no longer. A child is born. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Today our people can see that we're faced with a government conspiracy. This government has failed us. The senators who are filibustering concerning your and my rights, that's the government. Don't say it's southern senators, this is the government. This is a government filibuster. It's not a segregationist filibuster. It's a government filibuster. Any kind of activity that takes place on the floor of the Congress or the Senate, that's the government. So this government has failed us. The government itself has failed us. And the white liberals who have been posing as our friends have failed us. And once we see that all these other sources to which we've turned have failed, we stop turning to them and turn to ourselves. We need a self-help program, a do-it-yourself do philosophy, a do-it-right-now philosophy. It's already too late philosophy. This is what you and I need to get with. And the only time, the only way we're going to uh, solve our problem is with a self-help program. Before we can get a self-help program started, we have to have a self-help philosophy. Black nationalism is a self-help philosophy. What's so good about it, you can stay right in the church where you are and still take black nationalism as your... World, come rejoice with me. It's a new day. A new world order, a brand new day. It's a change of mind.
listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 813 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guests uh, that was scheduled to be with us this evening uh, wasn't able to be with us, and we'll just have to kind of reschedule him and uh, get him on at a later date. But uh, that doesn't stop the program. We keep on moving, keep it moving. Uh, Richard, yes, yes. you know, it's, it's kind of funny here that uh, – 60 years, close to close to 60 years, 60 years after Malcolm made those statements about the uh, uh, a government uh, debate on our rights. He said, don't say it's a segregationist debate. Or it's a, he said, it's a government. Anything that takes place on those floors is a government policy. So we see here that um, after Booker and them two months ago said that they reached agreement they come back and say, oh, it then fell apart, and they blame some Republicans. No. <laughs> and, and, and notice Malcolm said in 64 that the liberals have been posing as our friends have basically failed. You, you recall his statement? Yeah. Well, he said that in 64, Richard. And in 64, you didn't have a lot of blacks uh, in government positions at the time. Mm-hmm. But since 64, you have a ton of blacks in government positions. So it's more than white liberals that have failed us, although you shouldn't expect anything from them. It's the people that look like you that have failed you. So that can be added to what Malcolm prophesied 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Just just throwing that in for just sake of conversation. Let's go to the phones here and pick up a few calls. Let's go to 267. 267. Yes, sir. Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, uh, I like your research that you're doing, Richard, the museum. And uh, here you mentioned Steele's name and Whipper. Uh, I know that when Harriet Tubman escaped from the South and came to the North, I think one of her first stops that she lived in a certain amount of time was Philadelphia. Are you also including something on Harriet? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's always um, Harriet is integral to Philadelphia, but uh, although what we were um, emphasizing is those um, black African Philadelphians who were integral in, um, you know, being a part. As you know, when she came to Philadelphia, she met with William Still. That was one of the major, he was the major, you know, as a, as the resolution. Major sure. So um, it's not that, that, you know, in this case, with the resolution, it was to focus on those Philadelphians. And I hope that on what we were able to, con- you know, contribute to this um, very ingenious network organizational system that was able to, um, you know, liberate Africans from chattel slavery. And Harriet was a major um, operator in that. Okay, very good. And I, I want to say this to you, uh, Elliot. I'm looking at how they're not just creeping on people who believe in electorate and vote how they're looking to railroad the vote. I mean, they're constantly chiseling away 
at doing recounts. I mean, I see in the future, I don't know if it'll be a civil war in America over this, but I see in the future how people should be more leery and leery about voting. Because every time you turn around, they're doing recounts. They're not going to stop that until they succeed in their goal. Another person, a person could be a part of the electorate, run, run for office, be justified in a vote, and they turn around and turn it over. I mean, they're not going to stop until they succeed in uh, discounting a vote. And they're talking about always voting, certifying, solidifying the voting. But now if you turn around, you turn around. There's a way that they're trying to maneuver once a person is legitimately voted in, show you how he or she won't be accountable for that seat. And they have their own way of putting a person in the seat that they want. Yeah, yeah, Tim. I mean, but but we see who that's directed against. Um, and these white districts and all they're they're not doing that. If you if you if you if you understand what I'm saying, they're not looking to change or redistrict a lot, a lot of these because they get representation, and right. they get basically what they want. And tax money and all is used, and a lot of, sometimes your tax money, and not sometimes. A lot of times, your tax money is used to assist them, so they basically get what they want. A lot of these shenanigans you're talking about is being focused in on, in on our communities or where we do the majority of voting. Well, you're exactly right. You know the way that they gerrymander, and I was looking at what's going on now with the up and coming race with the mayoral race and the council seat. Now, you know Southley, you know, you know Richard, you know Ellie. It's a shame how Southley looks right now. From the South Philly that we know to the South Philly now. I mean, this is really terrible. It's not the South Philly that we know. And it's going to continually change in the direction they want it to change. And whoever the council person is here, I don't I don't I don't I, I don't know what's going on. They've been indicted. I guess there's other steps to it. But I don't look for him to be there anymore. And that's around the city. Around the city if they had that what is that, Philly 3.2, whatever it is, 3.1? They didn't have a way of working people out. Yeah, hey, say that. Hey, look, hey, you know, uh, Elliot, I don't know if you know that uh, the your uh, the, con- the con- congressional person that is in the Northwest is being challenged. And and who is he being challenged by? Uh, a other female. Young. Now, Northwest, I mean, Dwight is being challenged by a white female up there. <laughs> That's interesting. And I'm looking at the mayoral race and, 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 and who, well, you don't know if you want somebody black or white there because it seems like you have the same results most of the time. But I'm saying, the, this, this, how hot is the mayoral? Because, look, we're in 22 in a, in a couple months. And May is coming up. And 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 what I got? How what are they gonna do with this crime? How many bodies are we at now? Almost four hundred. What are we gonna do with these shootings and this crime and these killings? Has anybody came up with a solution on that? I mean, we may build back and forth on the station, but I'm saying the people in position to probably do more than we can, who had the reins of power. What are we gonna do with these shootings and these crimes, man? Richard, I mean not Richard. Uh... Brother Tim, they don't catch anybody that's doing these crimes because they don't want to catch people. 
they had uh, last two days of the week, Thursday and Friday, they had two huge, one of them took place about three blocks away from where my business is, up there Broad and Chew. A bunch of guys standing yeah. outside this place, and somebody come along in the car and just riddled the, uh, the place with bullets. I think about five, six people got shot. A couple, I think it was a young lady and all got hit, and one died. They had a picture of the vehicle that did it. And then the very next day over there in Mantua, the same thing happens. Somebody jumps out of the car and riddles the Now, they got cameras taking a picture of these cars. Now, they can zero in on the tag. They do it all the time. They took a picture of the car. Now, the same thing happened down there. That Pat Stakes down there in the white area right. where, where this guy, you know, he, he got several businesses all around the community. You know, anytime it's some movie or something shot in Philadelphia, they going down there. Uh, some folks went down there and killed. In fact, it was two incidents where people got killed down there eating cheesesteaks. They caught That's them true. people the next day. And those guys was Mexicans, and they wasn't even from the city of Philadelphia. They was from New York. And they caught them the next, what, two days later, Richard? Mm. Not for me. Yeah, they, well, they caught them. And they just had a picture of the car, the vehicle, leaving the scene. And they caught those two guys, and they didn't even live in Philadelphia. They was from New York. They can catch these people. They ain't catching nobody that's committing this violence in black communities. And, and the, the community, these elected officials, the, that commissioner, none of them is on the hot seat. They keep giving all these explanations. Now they done got $155 million that's supposed to be distributed in the black community in reference to violence. I don't know. That's going in some politician's pocket as, or some friends of politicians might get a couple of little crumbs that fall off the table. This here is a joke, man. It's a joke. And our people need it's to wake up. Joke. It's a real joke. You guys if they're going to participate in this old bullshit politics that this man got in this, this country, they need to develop uh, uh, candidates out of their community that have their uh, uh, community at heart, that have a, a centered mentality that's race men or women that can help their communities that need help, and then they might be more effective in some of these seats. These people go in there, and as soon as they get in there, oh, I'm not, I'm going to help all people and all that other. You don't hear these other people saying stuff like that. They don't say that. They don't give no explanation like that. And I'm going to say this about the educational piece. Listen to me. The the superintendent of the school district, Height, is black. The president of community college is black, right? And then you have, uh, uh, what's the third one? Uh, you got the president uh, Temple, and the president Temple is black. You would think that those power positions right there, that they would make a way to try their best to help these folks with some type of curriculum to get out. If you don't go to HBCU in the city, it should be no problem to get anyone of these and to get in the community to make or launch your undergraduate degree, whether it's Temple Community. And it's to start with the public school system. Those three men in power, we shouldn't really have a problem with trying to grab them in education. I mean, connected with the HBCU. That's all three of them men like that. You wouldn't even know it. President of Community College is black. President of, of um, Temple University is black. And the superintendent is black. 
I don't know if it's all around the country, if it's just in urban areas, if it's just in in rural areas, but any place, one thing, and I, you know, that I feel, and you know, we as, and this this is a conversation for Black Philadelphians. Uh, we are in the most advanced neo-colonial position, and what I mean by neo-colonial, just what you I said, you that we we have black leadership all over the place and in the worst condition uh, ever. And I'm being I'm being dramatic when I when I make that kind of statement, but it's just as your as your as your statement is saying, there's no way that we should have this kind of quote unquote imagery in in these kind of positions and look at the numbers. Education numbers is bad, health numbers yep. are bad, political yep. uh, prison in um involvement is bad, death by um you what you mentioning gangs and murder is bad. Is how can when we have had over fifty years and the development of this black imagery and our condition, our quality of life is is worse. And today we're suffering in silence because at least when the crack epidemic was going on, people seen the suffering. It was visible. When we were in South Philly and our communities was was full of black folks, we seen the visibility of that era. And now, and I have to throw this in there, we having is it HBO doing a a, a, a series about around um, black mafia that Fifty Cent and them is doing, uh, celebrating, and it's being shot in Philadelphia. How, what does that imagery say to those who are in those young people today? You think they ain't going to be watching it? Yeah. And who's making the money off of it? Don't they have to, don't they have to pay the city to do the film? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you, 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 I'm going to say this to you. A wow. mayoral race is coming up. Who do you, who do you think will run this? They got to get another police commissioner. You know that right off the bat. But who's going to be, who's going to vote for who for mayor? Who do you think is qualified to do this? Educationally, we, we're behind. Economically behind. We're, um, our neighborhoods are gentrified. And we have no businesses. Who is justifiably to take the reins of this mayoral position coming up? Well, to be honest, I don't care necessarily who's the, but the thing is this, Tim, and you know this better than me. This right. city here has a council. The council basically, sure, the mayor has got the position of like the leader, but the council runs things. The mayor can, can propose things, but the council votes against it and it don't go through. So the council had a, has a little more power than the mayor. You got blacks that outnumber anybody else in this council, and they don't do nothing for these communities besides little hey, wind, window I, dressing. You, you and I talked about a while ago about how many blacks are on council and what will happen. See, you and I talked about that over a year some odd ago. I know that. It's been a while. You We said, oh, now we got the people on council. We got the numbers at least. We seem like we should be doing better. I mean specifically in the black community at least. 
But it seems like that ain't working even with council. But you can't have that if the people, if we don't have the, if we don't have the people organized, you know, can't overcome that. I mean, they can, whether we have the right to vote or not, whether we have um, black faces in these political positions or not, if we're not organized, we don't have no power. That's true too. And that's, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. And organized with the thought of, I, I would say, black power, because we ain't black power is businesses, right? Restaurants, schools, and an economic program in your community. We do. We have a black community. Thanks for the contribution, brother. All right. Have a good one. Peace. Good, good show. All right. Yeah. Let's go to 404. 404? 404? Hey, what's up, Elliot? In the game. Hey, Elliot. Yes, sir. Uh, is a word out there for this government and this country. And you you, you proved that. You ever heard of fascism? Mm. Richard? You know what fascism means, Richard? I've heard of it. <laughs> well... Uh, what it means is when the corporation run the government, run the country, man. So, Elliot, you done read all them contributions these jackasses get from these damn corporations. Okay, that's who running these politicians. Okay, poly mean many and a tick is a damn flea. It's a damn parasite. So they own the back of these damn corporations, man. Simple as that. I don't care who run for office. You done proved it, Elliot, when you read their contributions they get from all these corporations. So these niggas get in these jobs, and these, these folks start throwing money at them, and then they get uh, uh, to see them dollar signs, and it, it's real sad. So that's why America going through what America is not. Simple as that. All the way from the uh, outhouse to the White House and all them offices in between, they bought by the corporations, man. So it is what it is, bro. United States Corporation, bro. Okay. And I'm gonna leave it like that, man. Huh? And I, I just want to bounce off, and I appreciate appreciate that. I just want to bounce off that. Yeah. Because yes, that all that may be true, but when we look in this moment, are we as black people, boy? I ain't talking about the people who are sitting in these positions. I'm talking about us. Are we bored? Because if we're you hear this here, you'll hear this one string guitar and I'll, I'll shut up because if we, the people are not organized, then we don't have no power. If we don't have no power, we don't put in place the and demand. Elliot gave the example in Philadelphia about that, that school system, a children going all day without eating and not one representative, the principal of the school, the person who has the, 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 council person who has that school in their district, the state representative that has that school in their district, the congressperson that has that school in that district, the district superintendent, the regional, which I would say more likely that is, has, if they ain't black, somebody under them has that school in hey, their district. Hey, Richard, Rich, 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 pump the brakes on it. Let's, let's dissect it. You mean uh, them children go to school. They won't even get. They ain't got no lunch for them children in school, man. 
I'm that what you saying up there in Philadelphia, man? He's saying that one day, and that's what uh, Ellie would be reporting. Yeah, they didn't have any breakfast or lunch. What the hell? They give prisoners a damn bologna sandwich in the jailhouse, man. What the hell is going on, man? That yeah. right there, man. I'm shocked about that. Man. Yeah, well, they, I, they it, give you. You shocked, but I no no elected officials, and we got a couple calls on from Philadelphia area. Maybe they can chime in because they know elected officials said anything about it. Now the principal came on the television and tried to give an excuse because some parents said, "Well, why didn't you send uh, some of the teacher staff down there to give out the, the lunches or whatever that was in the lunchroom?" Because they had some uh, you know prepackaged stuff in the lunchroom. She said it's against the contract; they can't do that. She gave excuses. So they just keep the children in there all day with no food. Nah, bro, that ain't right, right there, man. Something well, I mean, but they do that. that they, they do that to our people, and they don't feel no repercussions from that. The elected officials ain't said nothing because they figure, well, they ain't gonna say nothing about it. We'll do what they want. See, these people don't respect their own brother, and it's no respect there. It's no love with these some of these people that that's over that that, that these men didn't put over you. See, these elected officials are screaming wow. whether you know it or not. These white folks screen these blacks. Once in a while, once in a while, one slipped through the cracks there. They get in there and do something that, that uh, they didn't expect. But a lot of these people, these ones that you see populars, the, the Cory Bookers, the, the Kamala Harris's, all these people are screened. The, even the, the Obamas, yeah. all of them were screened. They knew what they were going to do when they get in office. It's, it's you that didn't know what they was going to do. These white folks knew what they was going to do. It was you that had the illusions. They didn't have no illusions. Wow, that should be publicized everywhere, man. I ain't never seen that. was my favorite damn subject in school with lunchtime, man. I, if that would have been real shit, I'd have had to tear that damn school up, bro. No lunch? Oh, hell no, bro. Anyway, I'm going to leave it like that. Let's uh, somebody talk, man. Thanks it's for you. crazy call. night, bro. Thanks. I'm about to start cussing everybody out. Nah, man. Thanks for your call. Grocery. Nah, man. I love y'all. Take it easy. Richard, he said that was his favorite song. <laughs> Let's see, you go to two six two six seven. Hey, good evening, Elliot, and good evening, Richard. How how are both of you guys? Good, everything's all right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, well, look, I told you, man. And Wes used to listen to the the guys' program, George Wilson, GW on the Hill, and and you know, and I watched that film that you. Uh, told me to watch Ellen. It was quite depressing. Um it was really depressing, man. But GW, I didn't I knew he had credentials. I didn't know he had that many credentials. And I he did always tell me he knew each and every one of those legislators. He was a journalist there for like years. And uh he was the one that told me, man. That's when my whole thing with politics changed and my whole vision of it. Now, I heard Richard when he said earlier, it's a white lady running uh, against the white Evans. What difference do it make? <laughs> I mean, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm, I, and, and I'm not trying to be smart, but Richard, what, what difference do that make? I ain't touching that. I understand the point, though. <laughs> right. It don't make any difference whatsoever. That man's just an empty suit sitting in a chair and, and talking garbage. And and it's partially our people fault. It's it's not only the politicians, but you have these ministers that have congregations that actually spoon feed them nonsense. So, you know, you have a lot of the stuff that, you know, the responsibility is basically on us. 
You have a lot of us that's happy to see a black face. Oh, this is the first black this, or this is the first black that. But usually that comes with uh, a neighborhood being bombed. Do you understand that? They let us know the first black mayor of, uh, of Philadelphia, square blocks was bombed. If we don't get it by now, and you and you played Malcolm. Malcolm told you. Back then, he told you. He said there's no difference between the Republican and the Democrat, but yet you have some of my family members, some of my friends would bite my head off when I said I could not pull a lever for Joe Biden. And now they're starting to see why I said that. Some of them are starting to change because they realize the kind of clown this man. Well, you know, I can't even call him that. He's an old senile man that never have given a good, uh, I'm going to use one of your words, Elliot, F-U-C-K, about our people. Never. Everything he, I mean, look at Strong Thurman. You know, some of the people, uh, you look at the history of senators that this man was was uh, close to, and you see what he is. Yet you had family members trying to bite my head off. So it's our fault. It's our fault that we got these clowns in these seats. We say we got to vote like I like. You hear the same story every four years. You just sit back. Well, I sit back, and I listen to them. I said, listen to these nut jobs. We got to vote like our life depends on it. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, you talk about the Haitian thing that, that's going on on the border, right? But that movie, that documentary that I saw today, that was quite disturbing because I believe they, and, and, the real, and, the, and, the, and the bad thing about it, they only mentioned one name that was connected to it that was Rothschild. They didn't really name those people that owned those lands that was treating our folks like that in in the 1990s. They didn't name them. Did you notice that during that documentary? The only name that ever came up was Rothschild. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I didn't see it all. I'm I'm going to see the rest of it. Richard, oh, the... man. They never, well, I'll that's the thing that really pissed me off about the whole documentary. Now, if they know these people, they have these people, these people were slaves all the way in the 1990s. Why? And some of them, some of them, 1990s, some of them was 1960. Mm-hmm. But they have the landowners' names. They have them. Why haven't any of your handkerchief heads that y'all vote in the office come say, like, look, we need to do an investigation on that? You got Israel going back 40, 50 years getting people that's in, in wheelchairs now, bringing them up under charges for so-called crimes in the Holocaust. Yet, you got something in 1960, 1999, and, and these people were slaves. And Come and, on, man. And and and, and uh, uh, brother Ralph, that that's a crime. Uh, that's a crime against humanity. That's supposed to be outlawed in this country. Oh. Oh, man, and I wish my man George Wilson was still here because I had to Yeah, well, you heard him say in that documentary that, uh, you know, these lawmakers ain't saying nothing that they haven't said anything about it. Said they would give him an interview, but he would never hear from him. And he was the one that told me. And see, I hear, you know, I I heard what Brother West said. Brother West is absolutely right. This is a fascist government, man. 
Because he told me back then, he says when when these people sit down, they have four to eight lobbyists around them at all times. These are the people that give them money to pass certain bills. It's not you just standing in a long line pulling a damn lever and hoping to get some justice. Because it's not. We got to stop. See, you, you said this program is for us to come out of a certain mindset. Well, that certain mindset needs to, like, really look at politics and see it for what it is. It doesn't mean us any good. And when you see these faces that look like me and yours, they're nothing more than overseers. Let you do something wrong. They'll be the first one on TV coming against you. But won't do a thing for you. You try to get a visit with one of them people in their office or whatever, and they have one of their staff members meet you at the door. It's a <laughs> disgrace. It's a disgrace. And I, I'm telling you, I remember when I tried to get the guy, Ron Waters, to give us a, 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 just, a just a building so we could train some of these some of these people that's probably running around here now shooting one another so we can get them trades. We had it all lined up. Thank goodness for Curtis Jones. He had he had the whole thing wrote out. Ron Waters was the one that shot it down and said, I'll be damned because he never did nothing for me. That's when I understood politics, brother. So, you know, we can go up here and, and talk about these people and talk about how great they are, Anthony Williams and all the rest of that garbage that they parade around in front of us, man. But these people are these people are evil. They're greedy. They're liars. They're hypocrites. They actually take on the character of this country <laughs> because that's the same thing. The people that run this country are greedy. They're liars. They're hypocrites. Man, I, you know, I just get frustrated when I hear us talking about politics, but this is the only program I can really vent on. You know, and the Republican is no different than the Democrat because they both would love to see you in that river down there, and they would love to be on horses whipping your ass. I'm telling you. So, you know, until we get our heads together, until we say, like, you know what, I'm not going to play with this game no more, like, vote. You know, and, 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 and see, I see how separated our people and how easily manipulated they are. Because the daggone vaccine that don't work, I'll say it again, it don't work. I, one of my, my next-door neighbor, fully vaccinated, just got out the hospital. Another friend of mine, fully vaccinated, just seen him on Facebook, uh, sick as a dog in the hospital, fully vaccinated. So, for one thing, how can you mandate something that don't work? But there will be some of our people that will argue you to a to a t seeing that it don't work, seeing that Biden and Harris don't work, see that those handkerchief heads in Philadelphia don't work. But they will argue you down to a T. And I'm just going to leave it like that. Man. I just had to call in and vent because it's the only place I can vent. You know, it disturbs me. And that documentary really, really disturbed me today because they were not named the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. So, you know. All right then, brothers. Uh, Y'all have a peaceful evening. I'm going to continue to listen. Thanks for your contribution. Again. All right. Richard, they uh, got a documentary on this. Uh, and I remember that Brother Ralph told me about the, this uh, brother that used to have this uh, program in Washington called uh, GW. He was in this documentary called The Cotton Picking Truth. 
Um, if you remember, remember when Antoinette Harrell was on mm-hmm. and she mentioned, I don't think she mentioned it on there. She might've mentioned it off the air when she said that she had a young man that was, uh, had interviewed, yeah, interviewed pe- the, the, people out there and it was in slavery. You remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was, and I said, wait a minute, you're talking about some older, but she said, no, you remember, you remember she said she was going to try to make sure that he comes on mm-hmm. and somehow we never got around to it. Well, the, the, the I think the documentary that he was involved in, I'm a check with, uh, with, with sister, uh, Aurel is, uh, is, uh, is out hmm. because it's called the cotton picking truth. And it talks about some of the people up until 2010 or 11, that was still held in bondage all down here in Mississippi. Hmm. I mean, for some people, they, it's hard to believe, but, uh, you know, brother Ralph said he saw it. Uh, you know, I, I saw a portion of it. I didn't see all of it yet. But uh, he saw all of it today, and uh, I mean, you heard his comments. Right. So uh, I got to reach out to uh, Sister Harrell. She hadn't been on in a while, but I know she. Uh, the last time I talked to her, she helped out. Uh, uh, shoot, the other brother that was doing the excavating of uh, our people. You remember uh, when they was excavating some of our ancestors' remains in that mass grave down there in Texas? You remember? Oh yeah. And she mm-hmm. went down there to help them. Um, because I put them in touch, and I hadn't talked with her in a while, but I'm, I'm gonna reach back out to her. Uh, let's go to two one five two one five. Hey, brother Elliot and oh. brother Richard, how y'all brothers doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hey, brother Elliot, before I talk about any other thing, let me say this to you and Richard on that cock and picking truth. You know, it's funny. It's ironic to bring that up, Ellie. You and Richard are going to probably call me a Joe come lately. You can't call me a Johnny come lately. I mean, you could, because I mean, you know, my name is Joe. You could call me a Johnny come lately. I actually have that. I, uh, brother Mo, our late brother, Brother Mo, he got a, a beautiful Muslim sister to make me a copy of that about a year and a half ago. And you know, I haven't looked at it yet, Ellie. Now that you and you, you and Ralph and and, 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 and mention it and stuff and Richard, y'all, I'm definitely going to make it a priority. Sitting, I've been sitting in my in my uh, DVD or CD DVD case, I should say, along with my other things, and I haven't looked at it. I got it over almost two years ago, but now that y'all been piqued my interest, I'm definitely going to watch this because because Brother Mo, before he made transition, he had kept saying, "Joe, you got to curb and watch that man. It's something that you definitely want to see." And I thank you, Elliot, you and Richard and, and Brother Ralph and y'all for bringing it for putting it out tonight with GW on the Hill what's in there because I'm definitely going to watch it now. You know, that's why I had to say that because I've been, like I said, I've been sitting in my DVD case collecting dust and that's my own fault for procrastinating like that. I only got myself to blame because I should have been watching it. If I can watch a damn, look at it, I'm, I'm critiquing myself now. If I can find time to watch a damn football game, that's not going to put a dime in my pocket, ain't going to move our people forward, then I, can, should, I should definitely make it a priority to watch something that's going to educate myself and my people. You understand what I'm saying, Ellen Richard? I understand. I'm just, maybe I'm critiquing myself on this now, you know. But, Ellen, you know, I got to say something that I know I'm getting trouble for saying this, but I almost had to laugh. And I think I think Brother Ralph has said just now that, that, that Dwight Evans – Running against this Caucasian lady, she challenged that, which I wasn't aware of that against you. learn something every time you listen to Tom from the Wick and you learn something. Because I admit, Ellie, I didn't even know that, that he was running against this lady. I didn't know he even had a challenger. But since he, he's running against this uh, Caucasian lady, it's going to challenge him uh, for his seat. Well, you know what, Ellie? If I'm the – uh, how am I put this now? If, if I'm the uh, critical type or whatever, I can look at this race and say – 
if you if you're an observer watching his race, you might have to wear glasses so you could see clearly because uh, if you didn't know no better, you'd think it was a, a, it was they, they, it was the same gender race. <laughs> yeah, you get my Jeff, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> one's black and one's white. Right. You get my point. You're both black, one white, but the same gender race. I just, I just, I can resist that. I had to get that in there. I will leave it at that, okay, Elliot? But I had to get it in there. I can't resist getting that in there. Oh my God, Jeez. Yeah, anyway, let me see. They're gonna, they're gonna run you off your favorite station. I know, I know you're right, Phil Ellie. They will, they will. But you know, when you when you and Richard and, and, and I think it was Brother Timothy was talking earlier about the, uh, I think he was telling Brother Tim about how they take your tax dollars and it benefits them. Well, a prime example, Ellie, how Caucasian people, and this is why I say the sorry-ass black elected officials, again, I say this to you and Richard all the time, whether they're on the city, state, or federal level, they're a disgrace. Now you know, now you know you. I don't know if you saw Elliot. You, you, you're pretty politically astute guy in the sense you stay on top of things a lot of times with, with this political maneuvering that goes on in the city, state, and and, and the federal government. Well, right here in Pennsylvania, just recently over the last couple of months, they was able to get a bill through that stopped these white racist town, towns in upstate Pennsylvania, Elliot, where a lot of our black men. And black women, uh, Elliot and Richard, are housed that warehouse in these prisons and stuff. And they was, because they had for years, they had been using these black men and women, though they're not residents of this town, of these towns where they are in prison at, they've been using them, they, 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 they've been counting them as citizens. You understand what I'm saying, Elliot and Richard? Mm-hmm. They've been counting them as citizens, which means they can, they, 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 they use them in the census and all that kind of stuff to get more federal, to get more dollars. For their communities up there, in these races up, you know, upstate Pennsylvania towns that's that's so really white. The only thing white black up there is is, is the bros or black bear, and that's even questionable. But my point is that they've been using them. When they was able to get a bill through, that stopped it. No sooner than this bill got through, I don't even know how it got through. I don't even know the details, Ellen and Richard, and the time for the wicked listening audience. But when it got through, the white racist bigots up there, they maneuvered and they found a way to. Obfuscate the bill, so now it's back to business as usual. So they will continue to count our black and brown bodies up there in these prisons and stuff as citizens of them towns, so they can continue to get federal dollars and stuff like that. I mean, it's just it's just it's just a sending the shame to the creator, man. It's a sending the shame. How these and these Negroes don't say nothing, they don't do nothing, they just sit back here like a like a bump on a log, man. I mean, it's just disgrace. Like you was. Talking about the issue, you and Richard was talking about the Israeli situation, and I'll make a few more comments so Brother Jay and others could get on. You was talking about the Israeli situation. See, again, Elliot, they, they're not perfect people, but I, I, I still respect AOC, Alana Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and, and, and Ilha Omar, at least they got the courage and a few others to speak out against Israel and tell why, even though I may not agree with them. At least they got some backbone. But some of these other Negroes, like the Dwight Evans of the world, some of these other clowns, they don't even, they won't even do that. They won't, you can't even get them to even act. They, when they come to Israel, them Negroes don't open their damn mouth. I'm, and I'm talking about ones that do just like you and me, on, on male and female, don't say a damn thing about Israel, do a run rough shot over Palestine. Matter of fact, Today, I don't know if you and Richard heard, the Israeli, the thug criminal Israeli regime did a raid in Palestine today and killed like 10 Palestinians. Not one outcry for the media. They just brushed it aside like, like they just no big deal. Almost like you talking about the Eagles 
beat the Cowboys tomorrow night or whatever. Like, you know, like, it's, just, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, there's this regular stuff, no problem. They just, they just kill these people, man, and try to justify by saying they was uh, Hamas people. And, 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 and the, and the, the Palestinian leaders, and these people weren't no members of Hamas. They were just regular Palestinian men that was upset about what Israel been doing. They weren't no military people, no part of those Hamas, you know? But again, no outcry from the white media, no outcry from the from the from these Negroes that's up there on Capitol Hill. Don't say a damn thing, you know? It's a sin to shame. And you know, Elliot, I know you what you heard about you notice again how the black media once again, Elliot, how in the black caucus don't don't say nothing. You remember Elliot when it when when uh, when they when they was leaving Afghanistan when it was that that terrorist so called terrorist attack at, at the at, in Kabul, they killed the thirteen thirteen American servicemen and about a hundred and something Afghans. Remember it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But remember, right after that happened, your president and I'm being facetious now, Elliot. Your president, he 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 was speaking so tough the next day, saying we're gonna hunt them down. Remember, Elliot and Richard, we're gonna hunt them down. We're gonna they, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do. He was talking big, big talk. And remember, I think about two days, maybe three days later, they said they killed the ISIS-K leader. Remember? Mm-hmm. They, they, they took out two ISIS-K leaders, right? They was, Biden was patting himself on the back and everything. The generals, Milley, all them clowns was patting himself on the back. Well, come to find out, and this again was a failure. This is again a failure of the black media and a failure of these black elected officials. Well, it came. It just was revealed over the last week or week or so, Elliot. And again, hardly nothing from the black press that they did not kill these two ISIS K leaders. When they said, guess what they killed? They killed innocent Afghani civilians. They had to, they, they they were forced to tell the truth that that drone strike didn't kill who they was intended. It killed innocent Afghani men, women, and children. And here's the thing, Elliot. I was brought to tears as a human being who hate to see him and suffering, a Muslim, and who hate to see suffering from anybody. I was brought to tears on one of the survivors who one of his relatives got killed in that, in that drone strike. He said that his family member, who was male, who got killed, that that, that attack, Ellen Richard, and the time for the wake and listen, was so vicious and so violent. He said his, he said his dead relative's face was so messed up, it was unrecognizable. You heard me? Mm-hmm. Unrecognizable. That's how that, that, that's how vicious that strike was, man. And I, and I say all that, Elliot and Richard, to say this: I can I, my hand before Allah take me out of this world right now. Again, this is why I have that's why I have such low regard for this black media and this black and, the, and these black elected officials. Over the years, Elliot and Richard, as I've been listening to public national public radio or even the so-called mainstream media or the BBC, I could be watching these things, Elliot. And it'll come across the stream, or it'll break into the news, and they'll say, "This was back, going back to, to Bush, going back to Obama. It doesn't matter." You, I'll be watching, listen to the news, and they'll say, "Well, a United States drone strike in Iraq killed innocent Iraqi men and children that was doing, that was having a janazah." For those that don't know, that's a Muslim friend or a janazah. Or it could have been a wedding party. It could be either or a wedding party or janazah in Iraq or in Afghanistan, two Islamic countries. And they'll brush it off and they'll say, well, this air and air strike, you know, they were trying to take out some terrorists and they unfortunately killed these innocent Iraqi or Afghanistani men, women, and children. And in the United in the response from the United States, the Pentagon, oh, my bad. We apologize. My bad. We didn't mean it. But well, damn it, 
that's not good enough. You know, and that's my bad. It's deep bullshit. You're killing these people, and you wonder why that their surviving members got built up hatred towards the United States, and this is why you got your future Al-Qaeda's. You got your future Baka Haroms, your future ISIS. These people didn't just come out of a vacuum, Ellen Richard. How the hell do you think they'd be good? They get, they, when you go over there killing these people, you go over in somebody else's country, Ellen Richard, and I closed these last couple of months. You, you go in somebody else's country, you, 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 you disregard the sovereignty as a nation. You set up shop, overthrow the government. You do all kinds of stuff, kill their leadership, and then when they, and when these people, and listen to me carefully, Ellen Richard, and when these people retaliate against your ass, you got the nerve to call them terrorists. You see what I'm saying, Ali Richard? Yeah. You right. call them terrorists when they retaliate against you. You got the nerve to call them terrorists. You know, and again, my see, I don't expect these Caucasian bigots to, 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 to do right, because like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, it's against their nature to do right. But what gets me is when these elected, black elected officials that's not no smarter or no dumber than me and you and Richard, they see this too, and they, get, they so morally bankrupt and cowardly, they don't say a damn thing why they go why 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 these, why these airstrikes go over there in Africa in the Middle East and kill up innocent black African men, women and children, Muslim men women and they don't say a damn thing. Israel do it, the United States do it and, they, and it's always my bad. They they collateral damage. You know, my bad. We didn't mean to do it. I mean I, and them niggas will open their damn mouth. I mean it's a, boy it's a set I'm telling Ellen but just a sending the shame to the creator. The cowardice among these Negroes, man. They, they just give Israel a that's a blank check they just run rough shot over people, man. I just I just can't take these Negroes, man. I can't take them, Ellen Rich, I just can't take them, man. And let me let me let, I'm, let me end it right there before I get too emotional. I just can't take these Negroes, man. Ellen put me on mute and I listen to the rest of the show. I'm just sick of them, man. I honestly like hand me for God. I'm sick of these Negroes. They sickening. them. <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, brother. You're welcome. Richard? Oh, oh, the name of the person that's running, her name is Alexandria Hunt. She oh. graduated from Temple, um, and she says, quote, I, I, I kind of tell things as, as how it is. <laughs> She'll be she'll be running for the 2022, and she has uh, 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 support from uh, black Gen Xers that also are from Temple. Temple, so it's, they they're going to try to make it a generational war. Wow, <laughs> oh boy, I'm telling you, uh, man, Richard, let's go to six four six six four six. Hey, what's happening, Elliot and Richard? You know, Little Joe is a hard act to follow, man. I, I must honestly say, you know, it's hard to follow Little Joe, and it seems like as a cleanup hitter, I always have to follow Little Joe. Little Joe, you the man. Hey, hey listen, I, I really would like to ask this question. Here it is, this 2021, black folks, I guess, in a sense, have been a part of electrical politics for a long period of time, but they, I guess, really started taking office, I guess, in the 80s. And during that period of time, we've had some good, and overall, I would have to say we've had some really, really poor, piss-poor Negroes 
supposedly representing us. So here it is. It's 2021. I mean, in all honesty, what do we expect from these these Negroes? Do do we really expect for them to to lead us, to guide us, to really do anything for us other than taking care of those that support them and themselves? But on the whole, do you really expect them to do anything for the community? Because if you're gonna be honest about it, I don't I don't see it. If you really had people in office standing up for the people in their communities, you wouldn't have what's going on at this present time. I mean, how do you justify talking to a electrical official in regards to some state or whatever the hell you want to call Israel? I mean, you know, why don't we ask, why do Israel basically get more money than black communities? Why why nobody asks that question? Why nobody stands up to that? Because what are they supposed to be, that much of an ally to America, to whereas they basically blood suck us dry? You know what I mean? I mean, how is it that your own constituents don't receive the type of money that America gives to Israel to make it so that you don't even have the homeless population that you have in these major black cities? So whereby if we took that money that we're giving to Israel and used it on our people in America— don't you think it would be more beneficial? And it's not like, you know, in all honesty and truthfulness, that Israel can't sustain themselves economically. I mean, come on, let's call the spade a spade. But I ask myself, why don't nobody ever stand up about anything? Why, why do we just go along to get along? Because it's going to be very interesting in a couple of weeks when you had the sister on from Belize to talk about, um, you know, their whole situation with the prick. I don't even call it a jab no more. You get flagged when you call it the jab. So I said, uh, let me switch it up and call it the prick. You know what I mean? Because the reality is you can't even function in this country, it seems now, unless you take the prick. That don't make sense to me. Because, you know, you got people who ain't never take the prick that it seems that they are right. And then the crazy thing is, you got people who take the prick who's sick. Like Ralph said earlier, his next door neighbor, double vaccinated. The Negro would have took a third shot in a couple of weeks. And here it is. He took the prick twice. And the thing is, this is the thing that gets me is, the job of the prick, think about this, is to get your black ass in the hospital for a couple of days so they can make money off of you and not die. That's the way it seems to me. Because, I mean, how it is you taking the prick, 
took two pricks. Now they want you to take another prick. And then after that, another prick. So the rest of your life is going to be a continuation of taking the prick. They never talk about what you may be able to do to keep yourself from not taking the prick. And on top of that, once you take the prick, you still get sick. That So my question to you is this. It's all right to get sick, but not to get fatal. It seems is what they're trying to push. We want you to, if you get sick, to just not die. So, you know, it can do what it do. But well, what I mean, if we... Go ahead. Go ahead no, well, that's, I mean, that's the American health care system. Manage, is manage care. It's money. It, it makes money. Yeah. It's not to be cured of anything. It's to manage your care, keep you coming back. Oh, no, I know. Okay. Because that's the, because I, it's just obvious. It's never, it's never no talk about alternatives. It's just like, you know, I was, I was speaking with somebody and I mean, you've had him on your show before, Brother Keaty. And Brother Keaty was saying, what you do is every morning when you wake up, get you an apple, some organic greens and some ginger and juice it. First thing. You know what I mean? And, you know, then whatever protocols you're going to put forward to to help yourself, save yourself, or whatever, then that's what you do. I mean, it's just, it's just mind-boggling in a sense that here it is, you have athletes that they want to cascade now because they don't want to take, they don't want to take the jab or the prick. But nobody never says to these individuals in this sense, you don't want to take the prick. Now, if you become sick, we're not going to pay you until you're well enough to resume your job. Me, myself, if that was the option that I was given not to take the prick, then, hey, that's what I do. But here it is now, you got a situation to where as there were certain players in the league who may not be able to play something like, I think it's 48, 50 games. 48, 50 games. I mean, the guy, Andrew um, Wiggins of the Golden State, from my understanding, who's not vaccinated, he's going to miss out on the 41 games as far as Golden State plays because they got it in San Francisco where you can't you can't go into a stadium, which is just mind-boggling. Then he's going to miss the one game, the one or two games in New York. So you're looking at 40-some games this gentleman is going to miss. Now, I don't know if they're going to pay him or not, which more than likely they won't pay him, all because he, he feels as though he doesn't want to take the prick. And then on top of that, they take away his religious freedom to not take the prick. I mean, you know, but the bottom line is this this disease has been in the public for almost two years now, and he hasn't caught the virus. So you telling me I would assume that he's doing something right, wouldn't you say that? Oh, certainly. 
So the point of the matter is, why is he being punished? Because he doesn't want to take something that, in a sense, is experimental, that nobody wants to even address or even really deal with. You know what I mean? Now, what happens over a period of, let's say, the the next two or three years, if people who took the the prick start to have um, certain certain ailments and things of that nature, do you think they're gonna treat it in the same fashion that you see the commercials on the on the TV talking about how Xanax causes cancer or could lead to cancer, other drugs that have been deemed to be harmful, things of that nature? Do you think they're gonna handle that in the same fashion that they handled the prick when they already from the get go told you you could not sell you could not sue if anything happened from taking the prick. Am I right or wrong? Uh yeah, yeah that's yeah. Okay, so let's start saying two or three years from now certain things happen to the millions and millions of people that has took the prick and the truth starts coming out in regards to the prick and you know the scientists will be able to prove at that time that the prick is caused for certain um healthcare issues. What 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 the what the what the hell do you think is gonna happen in this country when you got over a hundred million people that then took the prick? Well, let's, let's, let, you know, uh, um, why, let's, let's flip this. I mean, all what you're saying being true as it relates to the black community, all what you're saying being true. And we're talking about the progression in time. Cause what's, what's challenging to me is, as you know, when they first came out with this, they, you know, and I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but the urgency that we have to have um, that I don't hear, they said, that the health conditions that we carry, we've been carrying, right? We are not pronouncing the what ifs in relationship to the health conditions that we carry, hypertension, diabetes. You what know, do that got to do with this? And that's the point. Your response is the point because we, they can say, well, we can't determine whether it was the prick or the condition you were carrying already when you got the prick, which is the reason why you're seeing reactions. Nah, that's that that's BS, bro. Don't, don't even I mean don't even don't, 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 you know why that's not true? I'll tell you why it's not true. What, what I'll tell you why it's not true. What is true is that we already carry as a community a health condition that is socially cre- created by the political conditions of our community. Th- that was already there. And, and we and had no public, had no public um, outcry about to the in our community that we needed to get fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, apple, green vegetables, and ginger. We had no outcry about that. We had no outcry about dealing with the type of toxic um, meats that we were eating that created or the salt or the food that was over the counter 
even though we had food deserts, we had no outcry about that. But we got a lot of outcry about you ain't take the prey. Nah, Richard, that that don't even that don't even equate to to this. And I tell you why it doesn't equate. Because number one, all of those conditions were conditions that were in this community for numerous years and that the community understands, has talked about, and have tried to do things about it. And it's just a totally different medical process. Did the government put a mandate that that the that all the industries that is causing that condition on the community that the government because we're saying the government is mandating that you have to do this you have to get the prey because if you don't you are creating a public health risk. But but no because of the simple fact that this that those that those type one would call ailments, disease, or whatever, are not really associated in regards to death that this virus is. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that our community is not dying disproportionately from those ailments that is socially constructed in the sense of this quality of life that we live? Are you um, we, we may be and dis- we may we, we may be dying, we may be dying, but we not on dying on the level that one has equated with this virus. But the number of people who are supposed to be equating with this virus is not really dying from. It. You gave the example. What are you talking about? You just gave the example of the football player. That it, that is yeah, you know. But, but, but the handling, then if if we're going to look at it from a medical perspective, why is the handling of the virus different from the handling of, let's say, high blood pressure point. or dead saying obesity, which is that, in the white community? That is my, and I ain't thinking about the white community because the yeah, number. But, but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying to you is that the way it's applied is totally different than the way that they apply obesity, high blood pressure, and other diseases. I mean, we could, if the way that they were applying this seem like in regards to obesity. Why aren't they applying it the same way towards cancer? Where cancer probably kills more people in this country than obesity do. And most of the things that they're telling us is the reason why cancer is so um, pervasive in this society is because of what we eat, what we don't do, the, the chemicals that we could take in called smoking. Those are the things that cause cancer. But they're also the things that make these corporations, whether it be the pharmaceutical or the tobacco industry, or makes or, them a lot of money. Or, right. Now let, let me let what me let, but let me say this, Jay, before we start winding things down, um, to kind of uh, uh, 
bolster, I guess what it seems like both of you are saying. It has come out, and uh, Dr. Lean, Professor Jefferson have talked about it on the program, but it has come out in medical uh, journals that the overwhelming majority and almost all of the people, black, that have caught COVID-19 have been vitamin D deficient. Something that black folks produce or supposed to produce in their system. The sun and, and other things help you produce vitamin D. Now, the high fructose corn syrup, from what these men have been saying, is detrimental to your production and your vitamin D levels. It destroys it. Right? But they push a lot of these sugary drinks in black communities to an inordinate level. And in fact, I remember when Richard, when they uh, was going to do that sugar tax, if you remember, a lot of those stores that was in food deserts in the black community were screaming because they make a lot of money on those sugary drinks, sodas and those other sugary drinks, right? Mm-hmm. So th- that's what Richard is talking about. A lot of these things is the cause of why this illness is affecting black people and in levels that it might not be affecting other people to a certain extent. And I'm not even talking about the, the, the eating of certain foods and stuff like that. I was just talking about the, the high, fructose, high fructose corn syrup that's in almost everything that is produced uh, food-wise in this country. And salt is on the other side. If it's manufactured. Well, I, I, I just, you know, find it real, real suspicious in a sense to whereas this mandatory vaccination is affecting society on the way that it is. And um, the virus is basically um, turning into different type of um, strains. You know what I mean? It's it's now, it was COVID-19, now it's the Delta it seems like in a couple of months it'll be something else. And the only solution to all of this is basically taking the prick. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's more to it than meets the eye, man. I, I, I just really want to see what happens when it all hits the fan because at some point in time it has to hit the fan just simply based on the way that this whole thing is being played out. I, I just don't I don't see it any other way. I just I just don't see it being one of these situations that two or three years from now it's gonna turn out that this whole vaccine there was something chemically wrong with it that causes these type of effects and things of this nature. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be real interested on those of us who didn't take the, the, the vaccine and who plan not to take the vaccine. Hey, it is what it is. But what about those 
who took the vaccine and started having these problems. Because mind you, and, and I'll leave it on this, what happens, let's say, two years from now, somebody gets cancer and there's a chance that the only reason they got cancer was because of taking the prick in the continuous every six months taking the prick, right? Now, who's going to be obligated for that medical expenditure? You know what I mean? Because the bottom line is, if you get cancer, and even if you have insurance, five times out of ten, man, you're going to be in some serious debt. But look, I got to run. Talk to you later. Peace. Talk to you. Bridget? Yes, yes. Before we leave this evening, you know, it's going to be an interesting conversation when we have Sister uh, uh, Kayla on to talk about uh, not only her program that she's going to be doing, but the situation in Belize because I, I put it this way, I think the listening audience is going to find it interesting, some of the things that she shares. And uh, before we leave tonight, I just want to give the uh, the lineup on time for an awakening media. You know, Richard, I got to check uh, too with uh, with Brother Chuka and uh, see what happened. We'll try to uh, probably try to uh, reschedule him for maybe sometime in, in uh, October because October is basically here, right? And to get him back on uh, to uh, to kind of billboard and talk about the book. Uh, before we leave this evening, uh, let's go over the lineup on time for an awakening media Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African perspectives. With Brother Hoshi, always interesting topics and dialogues on African perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Later on, Monday evening from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Combine and and Dr. Kamal Combine. Uh, Later on, Monday evenings, the first and third Monday, uh, Conversation Reparations, which is in Cobra's program. That's 9 to 10 on Monday evenings. On time for an awakening, first and third Mondays of the month. On Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time. The Black Farmers Program uh, is uh, the West Georgia Cooperative is on from 8 to 9 on Wednesday evening. And from 9 to 10, and I got to get him back on. He was on uh, a couple of weeks ago, but he wasn't billboarding his program. Uh, It's a new program that started on Wednesday evenings. Uh, broadcast out of uh, Trinidad and Tobago, the Black Agenda Project with host uh, Dr. David Muhammad is on from 9 to 10 on Wednesday evenings. Interesting program last week for the listeners that caught it, and you can catch it this week too from 9 to 10 on Wednesday evenings. On Friday, time for Awakening is back from 8 until. And then on Saturdays, uh, the elders of Sankofa with the Brother Alfonso Watkins is on from 7 to 9 Saturday evening. And then on Sunday evenings from 7 until time for an awakening is back. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace.
to save the children.